What do you do with your license when you're finished? How do you know if you're ready for a flight test or a check flight? Should you do your instrument rating before you go job hunting? And how many people fail a flight test? All that and more coming right up, so strap in and let's get into it. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 65 of the Flight Training Australia podcast. The podcast all about flight training and flying in Australia and beyond. I'm your host Trent Robinson, thank you for joining me again. How you going? Getting much flying done? We're having a bit more monsoonal weather up here, more storms. Uh, it's been quite a good wet season uh, so far. The dams are full, the floodplains are flooded, um, green, sparkly. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just beautiful part of the world. Um, amazing storms, as long as you're not caught up in them, of course. Um, lots of inters and tempos happening. We even had an alternate required for Darwin the other day. It doesn't happen often, but this is the time of year when it does. A quick g'day to everyone uh, listening, especially uh, patron Josh and Alex. Josh uh, has been a member for a little while and just upgraded his Patreon membership to the top tier. So thank you, Josh. That is awesome. Really appreciate it, mate. And uh, congratulations on your first solo as well. And also welcome to Alex. He's just joined this month. If you'd like to support the podcast and... uh, the show in general, you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash flight training Australia. Three tiers of uh, support that you can do. There's also exclusive content on there as well. So go check that out. Links in the description below, and I'd be very grateful to have you on board. Also, a good day to some podcast fans who've just arrived to Darwin. Uh, Chloe, Pearl, Mitch, and Alex, they all uh, saw me at the hangar the other week and came over to say good day, which is just great. Uh, had a really good chat and uh, gave them a few tips on getting started and dealing with the wet season. And I might touch base with them all again soon to see how their transition into the top end aviation scene has been so far. They're busy washing aeroplanes when I saw them, so hopefully they're now behind the wheel and done their check flights. So well done, guys, and enjoy. Pacific Air Show, confirmed for 18th to 20th of August 2023 on the Gold Coast. Tickets on sale this week on Wednesday, starting at $45. Interesting thing, not much of a lineup yet. Uh, a lot of advertising with the Blue Angels and Thunderbirds and all that sort of stuff, but none are available, it would seem. A lot of people are commenting who's going to actually show up because they're all booked for other engagements. So hopefully we get more than the usual sort of uh, Australian air show attractions and it shapes up to be a really great event. I haven't decided if I'm going to go yet or not. I'd probably, like most others, want to sort of see what's going to show up first, um, especially if I'm going to be booking more than one one day ticket pass. So we'll see what happens there. All right. So the first message is uh, from Josh, uh, who I just mentioned earlier. And he's just sort of asked, you know, he's working through his solo and he's just wondering, you know, what do you do with your licence when you finish? How do you keep active? And it's a really good question. Um, I, I guess I've, I've indicated to you all recently, like I've actually done a little bit of flying myself, getting my wife to and from Bathurst when she wasn't flying. And it's just great. You know, it, 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 it's so important, especially if you get into a job scene, 
to just sometimes just go for a fly with no agenda and no no one watching you, no assessment, no uh, have to get somebody somewhere. It's just go for a burn. And we often as pilots don't do that, usually because of the cost. We're heavily reliant on someone else covering the cost and paying for it for us. Um, but I likened it to diving. I did my scuba ticket and I think one of the biggest things was, yeah, I don't really feel that confident going out there much. And I joined a dive club. And that was awesome because then there were people going out. You could sort of hang out with them. Didn't necessarily have to rely on them, but it was just nice to have other people around. And I think flying is very much the same thing. So flying clubs are obviously the way to go if there is one around. Um, A lot of different places have little fly-ins or fly-outs, little time trials, different events, aerobatic competitions. Uh, I know like the Aero Club in Perth would always have uh, spot landing competitions, glide approach, um, streamer cutting, got the ALAC and AWAC sort of stuff that's uh, just great to get involved with. You can go interstate and compete as well. And and these are all just opportunities or avenues for you to use your license and go and have a bit of fun with it. So definitely recommend doing that and don't ever sort of lose touch with, you know, just going for a fly. Uh, it, it will start becoming a job otherwise, you know, and, and you don't want to lose that passion and, and why you've worked so hard to get there in the first place. Sharing costs with family and friends, $1,000 hamburgers. used to be $100, but it's probably more like a $1,000 hamburger now. If no one knows what that means, it's you get in a plane, go fly somewhere to have lunch. And um, it's obviously once you paid for the aircraft, it's, a lot more than a normal lunch meal, but it's a heap of fun. So definitely look for doing that sort of thing. All right, Josh, keep going with it. Good luck and let me know how you go. All right, the next one is how do you know if you are ready for a flight test or a check flight? And and probably from the flight test point of view, starting out, it could be quite a daunting thing. Uh, Getting ready to, you know, do your RPL or your PPL, um, you know, there's a lot going on. There's, there's, there's heaps happening. You're going to start doubting yourself. And, and this is where having a good relationship with your instructor or instructors is really important. Um, but they're trained and paid to make a judgment call. You're always going to have a senior instructor check you to make sure that you're definitely good to go. And that's important. Believe in that and, and then you're good to go there. As far as the flight test goes, Look, pre-licensed checks um, can be done at differing levels of standard. Well, the, the thing to remember is when you the biggest difference between a flight test and a training flight is the examiner can't help you. The only way for us to know if you could do something is to sit there, shut up, put a sit on our hands, and uh, just let you work it through and go for it. If you're struggling with that well, you probably weren't ready for the test. So take note of your own performance on your pre-licensed. Now, I will say this. A pre-licensed flight is typically far harder than the flight test. They'll be much more thorough. They'll be going through all the manoeuvres and general handling uh, processes and things that you've been doing. Hopefully, they will highlight your attention or direct your attention to the Schedule 8 of the MOZ 
which is where all the performance standards are for the private and the professional categories. They're all the things like maintaining altitude, plus or minus 150 feet, 10 degrees or 5 degrees of your nominated heading, your plus or minus tolerances on your various airspeeds and things. So you should know the tolerances that you're aiming for because that's what uh, an examiner is going to be assessing you against. And make sure that if your instructor is constantly chipping in and telling you, you don't do that with the examiner, don't do that, do this, don't do that, you're probably not ready for the test yet. You you really need to be doing it with very minimal, minimal input on that pre-licensed flight. So use that as a guide. Believe in your instructors and there's some techniques that you can use to sort of self-assess. And, and that goes with any flight, really. If you're flying along and things aren't going so well, you're struggling, you're forgetting things, or you just come to scenarios where you're very unsure, it doesn't mean you're an incompetent pilot, but make sure you follow up with someone afterwards. Ask another pilot, ask someone more experienced, ask an instructor, call up your local flying school. And instructors should be only too happy to um, have a chat and give you a hand and then if some further training or just maybe a little dual flight or something that could just fill the gaps and help you out, um, you know, I recommend doing that even if it's not time for a flight review yet. There's always opportunity to learn. All right, and uh, I mentioned this one last, but I probably should uh, have put it in third place, but how many people fail a flight test? You would uh, probably note that, you know, especially if you, you follow me, you see a lot of um, people passing their flight tests and celebrating their achievements, which is something I really love to do. And a lot of companies do that now. But, of course, you don't see the ones that don't quite work out. And there's a lot going on behind the scenes of those photos. Uh, practice flights, ground school, uh, training sessions, briefings, all that sort of stuff, a lot of study at home for that final outcome. And yeah, look, unfortunately, some people do fail their flight test. It's it's just how it is. You're going to get different examiners who hold a different standard. Uh, everyone shouldn't. They should all be on the same same bar, and that's the the schedule eight the, in the manual standards. That's what I'm looking for, plus the guidance in the flight examiner handbook. All right, but there is probably an average of about thirty percent fail 70% pass um, on the first go that is usually everyone eventually passes but that would be the rough uh, average uh, that CASA sort of guide and look for and if I have a look at my uh, flight examiner results uh, which I haven't done <laughs> for a little while but I do know that you know I've had a few passes and fails in recent times and that average would be about right Okay, obviously it's going to go up and down. And that's whether I've trained the student myself or it's somebody else's student. I take my instructor hat off and I'll put the examiner hat on because at the end of the day, I'm giving someone permission and, and the opportunity to go and do whatever it is that they're applying for by themselves. And it is something I take very seriously. And if I just think that there's any chance that they're not quite the standard or, you know, they, they might hurt themselves or damage an aeroplane. Um, we're not in full control. We can't stop accidents from happening, but it will generally be pretty apparent on the flight test day whether this is someone who knows what they're doing and 
has a license to learn because that's essentially what a flight test does. It gives you a license to go and learn by yourself, get that experience, get that exposure. So, yeah, that would be about 70% pass, 30% fail on average there. All right. Um, this one's not from a person specifically, but I see it come up on the online forums, uh, the Facebook groups and that sort of stuff fairly often. And that is, should I do my instrument rating before I go job hunting? That's a really good question, and I have touched on it before. There are a couple of points of view, and I don't think any particular one is wrong. If you are leaving home and coming up, say, to Darwin, to Broome, to... Mount Isa, to, I don't know, anywhere away from home, up north somewhere or down south, wherever the job is. If you haven't done your instrument rating, if you haven't done your A2PL subjects, you are going away from home. All right. So that is going to mean you have to take annual leave to go and do it. Now that's okay. We all should get um, up to six months, uh, sorry, six weeks of annual leave. So there's time to go and do it, whether you can group that up enough to go and take a good four to five weeks off that you need for the instrument rating, depending on if you've done your multi or not, that is, um, you know, up to you, but it's a risk. But definitely it doesn't need to be done. The most important thing is that you have got a variety of aircraft under your belt, high wing, low wing, glass, analog, and especially analog if you're coming up this way, um, so that you can just adapt, learn new things, and go and just build some time. And you'll find that just having that experience and exposure when it comes to doing your instrument rating, you'll find it a lot easier, and you'll probably be a lot more efficient and even get it done quicker because you're just used to flying around, hopefully in a reasonably high-performance aircraft, and you're doing okay. So there's no risk in leaving it till you know later on, a year or two later. There is good movement at the moment. So we are in unique times where usually you'd be, you know, anywhere up to two years before you might look at getting a instrument rated sort of job. Um most operators would be around the thousand hour mark on average, I guess, that you might need an instrument rating. Having said that, remember if you haven't got a night rating then you wouldn't be able to do night operations. So the instrument rating isn't completely useless, but that very much depends on what operator you end up working with and whether they do have any night operations. It can't be single-engine passenger carrying, so it will always be freight. And some operators do allow you to leave before last light or come back, um, before, sorry, leave before first light, come back after last light. So that you can build a little bit of night time. It's not all. It's not often, but the opportunity is there as long as you're current, which is another thing. If you need to keep your currency on a night rating, you'll need to do your three takeoffs and landings, or at least your one every six months. If you're instrument rated, then there is only your passenger carrying currency. There's no six month requirement. So that's definitely something to think about. The instrument rating might enable you to do that. But as I've mentioned before as well, the instrument rating does train you to a higher standard. And this can also help prepare you and mature you uh, for getting that first or second job as well. 
So it's definitely not a waste of time. And it, it really just depends on your financial situation, where you're going, research the company you're going to work for and see what the likelihood of getting a bit of instrument time might be. Uh, might be the first job, but it could be if, it, if the company's got some room to move and progress, it might not be very long at all. I am very busy at the moment doing a lot of uh, IPCs and initial instrument ratings for people that are up here trying to be ready for jobs. Uh, and this is what I'm saying at the moment. You know, it, the times are a little bit different, quite unique. Uh, things are moving quickly, so maybe it is worth looking at. But it won't kill you, but just be prepared to plan ahead, get your IREX done so that's out of the way and you can then be ready to go do the training when the opportunity arises. All right, guys, that is it for this week's episode. Have a fantastic time uh, flying, studying, doing whatever it is you're doing. I've got some great interviews coming very, very soon. Unfortunately, just still this post-January uh, catch-up after Christmas. Everyone's been very busy and running around on holidays and things, but uh, I'm finally starting to nail some people down. I'm uh, off to Cairns next week for a little R&R and a bit of snorkeling and stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. But those episodes will be coming very, very soon. Some great interviews. So keep an eye out online when I announce those. Remember, all the contact details are in the description box for the episode below. And uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Until then, clear skies and remember the golden rule. Aviate, navigate, communicate. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>